Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this absolutely beautiful day. Thank you that we could be here at camp meeting. And thank you for personal ministry work that you've entrusted to us. Please help us to know how to do this work, particularly this Soul Winning Supper Club and Health Ministry Outreach, more efficiently and effectively for the building of your kingdom and the hastening of the coming of Jesus. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've done lots of different health ministries, like, you know, everything from the free clinics that we do to the health expos, supper clubs, cooking schools, you know, everything that you can think of, I've done it. But my favorite by far is the supper club. And the supper club is my favorite because it is the most, uh, the most availability to, for soul winning because you see the people on a regular basis. If you're doing a, a seminar, like even a diabetes seminar or a health expo or whatever you're doing, you're only seeing them once or for a month of their life and then they're gone. And then you have to try to get them back to some other event that they're not interested in. But if you invite them to a supper club, it's an ongoing monthly or if you're a small church, maybe a quarterly supper club where they can consistently come, they can invite their friends, and you build relationships because you're meeting with them, talking with them on a regular basis. And our goal really is to make friends with these people, besides obviously helping them live better, healthier lifestyles. Um, so, does everybody here have a supper club going on at their church? I know Holt does. You guys don't have one? You're thinking about starting one? Um, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about it, but I don't know if anybody else has. Um, the Bright Church, we share a pastor. They do a lot of cooking classes. Okay, it's probably very similar. You work with Kim Ahern. Is she in the, she does the, she's the cooking school. Yeah, okay. Because I know her pretty well, too. Um, Anyway, so if you're not doing a separate club, this is a good place to start. If you are doing a separate club, there's always new things that you can do, right? Um, now, when you think of something, a soul-winning separate club, what are you thinking? What makes it a soul-winning separate club? Friendships. Friendships. Okay, building spiritual and health. A lot of people feel like, and I think it's a problem, that health ministries is like an independent ministry of the church. So it does its ministry. And actually, all of the ministries are kind of like that. So you've got your health ministry. You've got your personal ministries, which is evangelism and door-to-door -door work. And you've got um, maybe your church school. And you've got uh, community services. But they all kind of run separately. And they don't really kind of connect together. And that's not how it's supposed to work. That's why I brought this. Does it, is everybody familiar with the growth cycle? So the first thing is what? Do we remember? Preparing the soil. Planting the seeds. Cultivating. Harvesting. And preserving. So where does health ministries fit into our cycle? Okay, in what way? Planting, for sure, for sure. Preparing the soil, yeah. It's primarily preparing the soil, in my mind, because of the friendships that you're building and things like that. But you, if you just keep tilling up soil and you never plant anything, it's not really going to do anybody any good. So obviously you have to do a little bit of seed sowing while you're there, right? Um, it's... Can't, really fit into here very well because this is really your Bible studies. 
you need to get them into a Bible study. Your seed sowing is going to lead them to this. And then you have harvesting, which is when you get them prepared for baptism. And supper club doesn't really fit into that either so well, but it does work really well for, for, for preserving because it gets them involved in something. You can invite them to come to a supper club. You can invite them to take part, help with greeting, help with whatever, to be part of it. And also it helps cement them into some of the healthier lifestyle choices that we like our people to make because we want them to live longer, happier lives. <laughs> and also we want them to, you know, grow. Um, so we are going to read the parable of the sower and make a point. So I have my Bible here. Oops, hang on. Okay, the parable, the parable of the sower says, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed that fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, and they did not have much earth, so they immediately sprang up, and because of the no depth of earth, they, um, the sun was... But when the sun came up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Hey. And some fell among the thorns... And the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on the good ground and yielded crop, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. He who has ears, let him hear. So the seed was sown. We're supposed to be sowing seeds. What made the difference in the yield? Where they landed. Was, it there, was there a difference in the seeds that they sowed? Was there any difference in the method of sowing? They were all just slinging seeds, right? It was all, the only difference was in the soil. So really, if our job is primarily preparing the soil, we, the work that we do, even though people maybe not, won't recognize it as much, it's going to have a huge impact down here, isn't it? If we, if we do our job right, the evangelistic meetings and the Bible studies will be better and more received because we prepared soil. So... Um, I want to also read you a little bit of a quote from Spirit of Prophecy where it talks about um, Christ Object Lessons, where it talks about the sowing of the seed and how to prepare the soil. Because that's really what we're looking for. And then we're going to look at some real practical ways to prepare the soil. Um, the sowers of the seed have a work to do in preparing the hearts to receive the gospel. In the ministry of the word, there is too much sermonizing and too little real heart-to-heart -heart work. There is need of personal labor for souls as the last. Sorry, there is need for personal labor for the souls of the lost. In Christ-like sympathy, we should come close to men individually and seek to awaken their interest in the great things of eternal life. Their hearts may be as hard as the beaten highway, and apparently, in it may be useless effort to present the Savior to them. But while logic may fail to move and argument be powerless to convince, the love of Christ revealed in personal ministry may soften the stony heart so that the seed of truth can take root. So what was the difference? What are, what are we supposed to do to soften the heart? It's not logic and, and argument. What is it? I can't hear. Draw closer to him. Draw closer to him. It's love of Christ, revealing love of Christ for personal ministry. It's getting to know people face-to-face, -face, talking with them, and meeting people. And so, how to do that, it's 
It sounds like the simplest thing in the world, doesn't it? Oh, we just got to make friends. But for some reason, it is the hardest thing for people to do. Not only in supper club settings, not only in church settings, not only in Adventist settings, but in the entire world, especially now with social media and all the other things, nobody really takes time to look at you in the eye and talk to you and have a serious interest in your, um, in your life. And so when people get that, they really get excited about it. Um, I got all these stories in my head. And I never know when or where to share them. Um, anyway, I'm not going to share that one yet. Okay. <laughs> so the very first and most important thing, if this is our goal, right, is to create a friendly, family-like atmosphere in our supper club. And again, it seems like, oh, that's so easy to do. I'm just going to say hi to everybody and be really friendly. There is a, um, well, and almost in a lot of the churches I've been at, but there's one lady in particular I remember from when I first came into the church, she was the friendliest person. She would always walk up to you and she would talk to you and she would get you and she'd go, oh, hi, how you doing? And she would say, and she would look at you and say, so how are you? And she would act like she cared what she, you talked about, but then she would bounce off to somebody else as quick as she, that and literally wouldn't listen to anything you had to say. So she had the appearance of being friendly, but she really had no interest in you whatsoever. And you, at first you think, oh, she's so nice and she's so friendly. But after a little while, you realize she's not really that friendly. Um, no fault, you know, we don't want to blame anybody, but that's just the way it is. That's not the kind of people we need working in our separate clubs. We need people who actually take an interest in people and care about the people and really want to know, who are generally interested in making friends with somebody and spending time outside of supper club outside of church with these people. Because if you're not interested in spending time with them and getting to know them and mentoring them and helping them, then the soil doesn't soften or it takes a lot longer. <laughs> um, so it's important to, okay, I, I was going to do a demonstration, but I'm not sure about my demonstration. So there's different ways of greeting people. There's, there's, what I call the perfect people, and this is not to be derogatory toward them because if I could be a perfect people, I would like that, but I cannot, <laughs> so I'm not. But they're the ones that always have the, you know, the really nice hair and their makeup is done nice and they always wear really good clothes and they just, and they're very proper and they'll walk up to you and they'll say, welcome to Supper Club, thank you for coming. And then they'll walk, welcome to Supper Club, thank you for coming. <laughs> and they'll be very, they'll be friendly but it'll be stiff. There's a difference between, and then there's the other way, and you can go, oh, how are you doing? I'm so glad you came today. And hopefully I would know your name. What's your name? Liz. I'm glad you came, Liz. Let me, let me get you the handouts for today. And you just, you just really genuine, friendly talk to somebody. It's different, right, than the sterile. But that's not it, because the greeter gets paid to greet, just like at Walmart. Somebody says hi to you. It's like, you, know, you got paid to say hi to me. <laughs> so the greeter gets paid to greet. So when they come and sit down, in the, um, in the supper club, then you need them to have people to talk to besides themselves. <laughs> because if they just talk to themselves, then we didn't accomplish our goal. So I want to tell you the story about Linda. Well, Marilyn, it starts with Marilyn. Marilyn was a lady. She had just moved to our area from the Catholic Church or from somewhere else, and she went to the Catholic Church. But she just had never made really good friends. She'd only been there for a few months. She hadn't really made good friends yet. And she wanted to meet people. 
and she had just found out that she had type 2 diabetes. So she saw our flyer for the supper club and thought, I'm just going to go to the supper club. So she came, and she was greeted by friendly people, and she sat down with friendly people. The first day she sat down with someone, she sat down with Linda, who I like to call a quiet evangelist. She's one of those ladies who, hey, um, she's one of those ladies who is kind of in the background all the time. You never really see her. She worked for the community services department. She helped in Sabbath school, but she didn't come to evangelic meetings. She didn't come to prayer meetings. She didn't, you know, she just was, her husband was sick a lot, so she just kind of stayed back. Um, okay. <laughs> and so um, she sat down next to, or she was sitting there when Marilyn came in, so she sat down next to Marilyn and started chatting with Marilyn about, you know, working in the, um, community services and how she helped, how they helped people with clothing and stuff. And Marilyn's like, oh, I would like to help with something like that. And so first time Marilyn is at Supper Club, she's already helping in our, in our community services. So she's there helping in community services, and she's happy to do that. And after she helped for a while, Linda asked her for Bible studies. Um, but something spooked her, and she said, I'm, you know, she gave back all of her Bible study material and said, you know, I'm done. But we'll get back to her later when we get to their section. <laughs> but she, but the point was that people were talking with her. They were inviting her to things, and she came apart. She actually, after a while too, after that that little break came, she tried to stop working for community services. She said she felt really guilty because their Catholic church had something similar, and she felt like she should be helping with her own church. So she started going to her own church's thing, and she came back to the community services. It's just not the same. Those people over there are not the same as you guys. So she came back to um, she came back to our supper club at, or our community services. She always kept coming to supper club, and so it, it, it was a joint effort, though, between all the people. So. Um, it's also important that you invite them to everything, like everything. Um, you invite them to, uh, like helping with community services. You invite them to uh, concerts at the church, school events. Now, I'll, I don't, I'll just finish the story, real part of the story real quick. Our church did this thing in their school. Do you guys have schools, elementary schools at your churches? Well, one really cool thing to do at your elementary school, just FYI, <laughs> is um, for Bible labs, we found people who were friends of the church who wouldn't necessarily take a, a Bible study from an adult, but liked kids. And we said, hey, our kids need practice giving Bible studies. Can they come over and give you a Bible study? And so um, we divided our kids. You know, you don't have, a, our school was small. We had in her, in her upper grades who did it, wasn't the younger, well, yeah, the upper grades who did it, we had maybe 10 kids. So we had three or four Bible studies going on. And what, Marilyn was one of them. And my daughter was in that little group. And because all the kids were coming to her house every week, she was diabetic, but she loved to bake, and so she fed them way too much sugar when they came. But that's okay, because it's all for the sake, for the cause, right? <laughs> um, and... But they said, oh, you should come to our concert. You need to come to our concert. We're having a, a Christmas concert. So, of course, what's she going to do? She's going to come to the Christmas concert because all these kids are asking her to come, and she's made friends with these kids over the time. So, but when she came, 
she had adult friends too because she's a supper club and um, community services that she was already part of. And so then a little while later, my daughter was getting baptized. And my daughter says, you need to come to my baptism. And so she comes to the baptism because she, you know, it's different in the Catholic Church. They don't do, they do the sprinkly thing. And so, they, so she wanted to come and see what it was like. You should come. And so she invited, and she, you, I watched her actually in the baptism, and she so wanted to raise her hand. <laughs> and she kept asking, but she kept asking me questions. She goes, like, so what do you, um, what do you do with this? And what, what does it mean when they're doing that? And why is this? And she was very curious about it, and she wanted to know more about it. But anyway, so we built friendships. So we started cultivating the soil by making friends. We planted seeds by getting her involved in other parts of the church, passing out literature. Obviously, we'll talk about how to talk about God during your supper club. We did that, that too. So she got all of that. She, we actually got, she actually got upset with me one time because I forgot to pray at the end of the supper club. I usually pray for everybody to have safe travels home. She goes, I was nervous all the way home because you forgot to pray. She texted me. <laughs> she like, you forgot to pray. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, and then somebody else gave Bible study. So, but this... Some of the seed sowing in the Bible study wasn't necessarily done by the Health and Temperance people, was it? It was done by somebody else. So you have one plant, one waters, and God gives the increase. And we go. So it's a whole church effort. So the school was involved, community service was involved, health was involved. So that's the overall picture of how to make a healthy separate club. Now, it's harder than it looks. Um, you need to be involved. Whoever your Health and Temperance leader is needs to be involved in the church board, involved with the personal ministries leaders, the Sabbath school, or the personal ministries leader, the pastor, the community service department. They all need to work together. That's the purpose of the board, is to work these things out so we are all working together. So all of our departments of our church are part of the same program, right? Because if we just keep cultivating the soil with our health ministries, but we don't do any of this, we never get here, and there's no need for that. We really need to make sure that our people get from here to here to here to here. And as cultivators, we can sow seeds. We can sow test seeds, as we call them. For example, if you're sitting around at a table with um, a group of people at supper club, you're going to, you could ask a question, or you can mention something, oh, we're studying such and such in in prayer meeting or in whatever. Oh, we're doing this. And if they say, oh, that sounds interesting, then your seed is getting a little bit of root. And you just work with that and see how it goes. Invite them to something else. Or, we're, oh, we're having some revelation seminar. It's going to be really exciting. I want to hear learn about prophecy. And they'll go, oh, I always want to learn about prophecy. And you're sowing the seed. It's not necessarily being sown from up front. It's being sowed as a personal ministry. And that's the goal. Because you're going to get more results when you do personal ministry. All right. So I get a question. Yes, sir. The supper club, it's all the food is provided by the church? Yes. What I tend to do, if you want to know kind of the basics of a supper club, is how I like to do it, is I um, have the meal first. That way, while they're eating, everything's... Because if you do the meal after you talk, then you're all time trying to prepare the meal and getting it ready. You don't have time to talk to anybody. Right? So I would always have the meal first, and I would always have one person, the same person, hopefully, um, 
greeting everybody at the beginning of the thing. Hi, welcome to our supper club. This is what we're having today. This is our topic and, you know, our speaker is going to be or whatever it happens to be. Um, our recipes and you kind of go through a recipe and help explain, explain some of the recipes or whatever. Just kind of a social, you know, welcome kind of thing. And then you have prayer for them. Then you send them to eat, to get their food. And then while they're eating is when you start engaging them in conversation. And hopefully, my favorite was when we had half church members and half guests. Because then you knew that all of your guests were talking to a church member. Well, hopefully, if you're... Sometimes, I don't want to... I don't want to say this too loudly, but occasionally, all of the helpers like to sit in the kitchen and eat. But I don't want Scooch, scooch. As my daughter says, she's in a program here at GWA, and when they go places, they go clumping, clumping. The, the teachers will walk around clumping because they want them to interact with all the other kids. They don't want just you know the GWA kids sitting together. They want the GWA kids sitting with everybody. So it's clumping, you're clumping. <laughs> and so you kind of kind of go around. You got to diverse the people because obviously you have a tendency to talk to the people you know. It's easier. It's more comfortable. But that's not our purpose of a supper club. If we want to do that, we just invite them to our house for to have a supper. And we'll do that, right? But if we're going to have a supper club and go to all that work to cook all that food for all those people, we should talk to the people that we invited. Talk to our guests, as it were. You tell them they have to. <laughs> just kidding. I think. I think if they. You need to kind of maybe explain to them the purpose. I've got a little thing I'm going to pass out to you later, but you you need to um, you need to let them know why they're doing it. They they a lot of them think that the program is going to win win the people. Oh, we're doing this program and it's going to win the people. So I bring them like, dare I say it, those old one uh, videos where they just put this put the video on the screen of the Majestic series, and they people they. Just, the one deacon comes in, turns the thing on, and sits down, and there's like three people in the audience. And so they think, they think, oh, net 99 is going to win the people because I turned it on. But it's not. The only thing that's going to win those people is the people interacting with the people, people calling them to decision, because they're not going to make a decision on a screen. Well, they could. A few people are strong enough to do that. But then they walk into the church, they don't know anybody, they're uncomfortable, and it, they don't last. The goal, again, is to make friends with the people. And I think if your people knew that, I mean, I think if they get in their mind beyond the fact that, oh, this, this isn't going to win them. Just having them show up at my church is not going to win them. They're not going to. They, I'm always talking about that we're making friends for Jesus. Making friends for you Jesus. Know, but we have to mingle to do that. Right. You know, but it's and not maybe <laughs> it's not getting through. Um, or they're, they're just so afraid or shy. Yeah, I struggle with that myself. This is why I have to be in charge of a supper club, because then I feel like I have to talk to people, because otherwise I'll sit in the corner and I'll like, oh, I don't know what to say to them. But because I'm the one that's in charge, I can walk around to every table and I can say, so how's your food tonight? Oh, what's your favorite? Oh, I'm glad you like that. That's good. And then I'll talk to them about every, you know, other things and say, and if you know, if you once you get to know them, you'll go, oh, how's your husband doing? Or how's your you know, kids doing? Or whatever. And you, and you can have these conversations. So there's all, there should be that one person that kind of gets around to everybody. But hopefully you've got church members that are sitting with, just tell them they're not allowed to clump. So if the black kids can't clump, we can't clump either. <laughs> 
It's like, we got to get around. <laughs> Adults don't particularly like it as much as kids do. You can get away with so much more with kids because they feel like they have to obey you. <laughs> um, again, we're inviting them to everything. Okay, this is going to be one that you guys probably already have heard, but maybe, I don't know. You need to have really good food. You can't serve bad food at a supper club, or they're not going to come back. And the recipes have to be easy to follow recipes, not recipes that have a million and a half ingredients or that are made out of weird things, because in your supper club, you're going to have a mix of people, especially if you get them from the world, and hopefully we will. Um, you're going to have those health gurus who are, you know, don't eat this and don't eat that and don't eat anything, <laughs> which is good for them. You know, I'm not saying it's bad, but they just, they take it to a level that nobody else can live up to. And you've got the other people who are just coming off donuts and french fries, and they're like, I can't do what they're doing. And so you've got to find a medium that helps everybody, you know, find a place, but the rest of the ingredients have to be super easy. People are busy. Most of them eat out all the time. So if you're going to try to convince your, okay, I'll tell you this story. You know the Forks Over Knives movie? They did a follow-up movie called Engine Number Two, and it was about, um, I don't remember the guy's name, but he was a firefighter. Yes, Mr. Et I can't say his name. Esselstyn, Mr. Esselstyn was a firefighter, but he had this burden for health and cooking, and so he wanted to go to people's homes and help them eat healthier. So this family of five kids and two adults, working parents, invited him to their home, and they said they wanted to go vegan because they'd watched Forks Over Knives, and they, but they really needed stuff that they could actually cook and prepare because they're super busy. They got five kids. They got both parents are working, and they don't have time for all this cooking and stuff. And um, some of them were teenagers down to, like, five-ish. And so I'm watching this. I got so mad <laughs> watching this video. So he comes into their home, and he sees that they had gotten a few substitutes, meat substitutes and dairy substitutes, to make the transition. And he threw them all out. I said, we can't do any of this because it's not healthy. Look at the ingredients in this. You know, we're not, throw it out, throw it out. So he threw all their food out, and <laughs> plus all of the meat and dairy and stuff that they were in, any processed foods, out. So he said, we're going to make sweet potato pizza. Okay, first of all, nobody ever thought that was a good idea. <laughs> but, but let's just say we thought it was a good idea. He made the crust from scratch. Sweet potatoes take forever to cook. And he made the sweet potato pizza and served it to all the kids with no cheese on it. It was like bread and sweet potatoes and some seasonings, which I'm guessing it probably tasted good. And the people in the video were talking about how, you know, oh, this tastes good. I really like this. But the question I have for you is, are they ever going to make that again? <clears throat> they will never make it again. And when the kids' friends come over from school and they're having pizza night or movie night or whatever it is you do when you've got a bunch of teenagers, they're going to say, oh, we're having some potato pizza. No, that's not going to go. So he didn't listen to what they needed. He served them what he wanted to serve them, what he thought they should be eating. But they weren't ready for that yet. You've got to serve them food that they're going to be ready for. And there's nothing wrong with using substitutes. They're a bridge to get you somewhere else. And a lot of times people 
will stay on the bridge for 100 years, and they'll, they'll keep eating some meat substitutes and the dairy substitutes, but you know what? Adventists still live seven to 10 years longer eating Big Franks. They still do. If they didn't eat Big Franks, just think how long they would <laughs> You know what I'm saying? If they, if they stopped eating all the processed foods, they might live longer, but eating, eating processed foods, they're still living longer and living happier, healthier lives. They're getting all the cholesterol out of their diet. I mean, you just, you've got to think through what you're feeding the people. You want to feed them food that they're going to eat, that they're going to like to eat, that when they taste it at supper club, they're going to go, oh, I can make this for my husband. Or, oh, my kids are going to love this. You don't want to serve them something they're like, oh, this is okay for healthy food, right? So um, that's important. But the second most important thing about the food that you cook, the recipes have to be well written. The recipes have to be something that they can make when they get home. If the, if the recipe isn't really what the person cooked, like if you've got some really good cooks in your church who are doing the cooking for you, and I'm guessing some of you may be in that crowd, you don't actually follow the recipe. You just start throwing stuff in the pot until it tastes good. Well, then they can't duplicate that when they get home. So when they make it at home, they're going to go, oh, there's nothing I ever make from Supper Club tastes good, so why would they come back? You need to make sure your recipes are good recipes that the people are going to want to cook, but when they do cook them, they need to come out. Because they're not, otherwise they're not going to come back. If they don't come back, we can't make friends with them. If we can't make friends with them, we can't tell them about Jesus. If we can't tell them about Jesus, we've ruined our whole, we wasted our time. Right? So, um, so that's very important to, yes ma'am. I think she came in and took it for me, but we could do that. I've never done a seminar before where we took it to this is my first time. Actually, I think I did one many, many, many years ago when I first became in church. Anyway. Um, another important thing to do is to have good practical information. Um, if you just tell them, um, like, theories and stuff, you know, diabetes is not good for you and you should, you're going to get it, you know, you need to really be practical. What can I do to keep from getting diabetes? Give me a So I, what I like to do is a challenge at every supper club where whatever we talk about, I challenge them to put that into action. So when I talk about um, meat eating, for example, I'll say, okay, I want everybody to go meatless for one day a week. Or if you're already doing that, make it two days a week. If you talk about drinking water, plenty of water, or eating fiber, give them, a, give them a goal saying, I want you to start eating eight more grams of fiber every day or, and keep track of it and come back at the next supper club and we'll add up how much fiber we all ate to get, you know, whatever. Just some way of encouraging them to put something into practice, not just hearing information, but actually doing it. Because we know from studies that when people do a seminar or go to a seminar and they listen to something, very few of them put it into practice. I can't even remember the percentage. It's very few. And if they don't do it right away, then they forget all about it. So always help them put something into practice. And when they see those changes coming to place in their lives, they see improvements coming, then they will um, be more appreciative of Supper Club and want to come back for more. But um, now, even sometimes uh, I had a lady who... She was my registration lady at one of my supper clubs, and she was the best registration lady I ever had. But she was not a health 
person. She never even thought about eating healthy, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> and she, but she said she wanted to help do something for the church, and there was no other job for her that she thought she could do, but she could do registration. And she sent letters to all my people, and she, personal notes, and she was amazing. Anyway, but she, um, but she was, because she was there, she had to hear all the health talks. And when she heard the health talks, she decided to try new things. Her son, who was my son's age, he came up to me one day on Sabbath, and she said, he said, my mom made real potatoes. <laughs> I said, what do you mean your mom made real potatoes? I said, she always made them out of a box, and she made real potatoes. I was like, wow, that's exciting, you know. Um, one time we talked about uh, caffeine. And she came in one day, and she go, and she had bought, just bought herself a big zebra bag. I thought, oh, that's a cute bag or whatever. And she said, she goes, yeah, it was my reward. Because she didn't tell me what was going on. I said, what's your reward for what? She goes, well, I haven't had Diet Pepsi in, in like three months, so I got myself a bag. And I'm gonna, if I, in three more months, I'm going to get myself another bit, you know, something else that I want. So she rewarded herself because she did something. I didn't even know she was doing it. She was just sitting in, she was just sitting there for registration and so so you're helping more than just your people. I mean she was a good church member, she was a good Adventist, it just she had never thought about, I guess, help before. She was happy to do things, she just hadn't, you know, processed all. Um, but the real reason people come back to a supper club, beyond the good food and the recipes that they can make at home and practical information, is the connections, the friendships. I had so many people. I, after three years of a supper club I did at one of my churches, I was getting really tired because I didn't have any help or very much help. And I was just, I don't know what to do, and I'm not sure how, if I can keep this up and all this. And some of the ladies, one of, one of the ladies in the church was like, if you do this, my marriage is going to fail. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, if I stop doing supper, how is that going to affect your marriage? It's the only place I can get my husband to go out with me. It's our date night. Aww. I was like, seriously? <laughs> like, this is, there's more issues here, but no. <laughs> but no, and then we had several couples coming, like couples, and they just loved their, and they would, they would come in and they would just love meeting people. Um, and people would, church members would start, were starting to invite their people because it was a fun, it was a social event that was for the purpose. So it's almost a social. It's a church social slash health event. But, um, but people want to see their friends. Oh, it's the only place I ever see so-and-so. Or I haven't seen so-and-so in so long because they don't come to our church because they go to one of the other, you know, someplace else. All right, so... Don't be afraid to talk about Jesus, especially at supper club. <laughs> um, it would people don't like it. They they think it of a as a bait and switch sometimes. If you bring them to a health ministry, you should only talk about health. But if you only talk about health, then you're not doing anything over here. It's a problem. So, <laughs> but it also seems very. Ah, uh, what's the word? I want to use. It's not natural to have a bunch of Christians sitting around and not talking about Jesus. If you go to a basketball game and they're all talking about recipes, you're going to think that's weird because, you know, 
they're not talking about basketball. You would think they would talk about basketball. Or if you're going, if you go, even when you go to work and you're with all your friends, this is what I did this weekend. I saw this movie and I, uh, you know, watched this football game or I did whatever I did. I had a barbecue and my family came over. Or I went to church on Sabbath. Do you, I mean, if you don't talk about Jesus, then are you really a Christian? So if you invite people to your church and you don't talk about Jesus, people are going to think there's something wrong. So you really should just because it's normal. <laughs> and people don't think anything of it. We had an atheist coming to one of our, um, he was actually a, a friend of one of our church members, one of, the head elder, I think. And he was coming and he brought his wife. And occasionally he would challenge me on some faith-based thing that I mentioned. He would raise his hand and say, well, do you know that that is, I said, yes, it's by faith for sure. And I would say, and he'd go, yeah. And he would be okay with it. Um, but you know what happened is he had a heart attack. And who's the first person he called? His friend from supper club and said, you know, what do I do? And he started coming to, he came to schools, uh, musical, you know, musical performances. And he came to, he started coming to lots of things. And he knew where to call, call when he needed help, even though he was an atheist. But anyway, he was never offended when I prayed. He was never a friend when I talked about him. Like I said, sometimes he would raise his hand and say, you know, what about this or what about that? And you know, But you didn't engage him in, in, in debate. You didn't say, well, you're wrong about this. You just say, well, yeah, it's completely faith-based for sure. And then he would go, oh, yeah. But there are studies, that, in scientific studies, that show that people who are, have faith and have religion live longer. They are happier. And so it's not odd to talk about your faith and God when you're talking about health because it's natural and so don't feel bad talking about it. A couple of things though besides just talking about it you every at least once a year every six months you should always always do an evaluation because anything you do you should evaluate and you give questions on the evaluation is there anything you like what do you like best about supper club what do you what would you change are there any topics that you would like to study? Um, would you be interested in personal Bible studies? Um, these, these types of things. And if they, in some, a lot of times they'll click. They want a Bible study. And then you contact them individually for that. But most of your Bible studies that you get from Supper Club are not going to come from that. How are they going to come? Personal invitation. Standing in line with them and talking to them and they go, oh, would you like to do a Bible study with me? Or sitting with them at the table eating dinner and saying, hey, would you like to do a Bible study with me? That's where your Bible studies are going to come from. They could come from that. I heard a story just recently, and I believe it was Wes Peppers. His church was doing a supper club, and they had never done any type of evaluation, never asked anybody for Bible study. It was kind of one of those. And he convinced them to let him come in to close out the program one evening. And he said... He just said, look, in the book of Daniel, he talks, Daniel 1 talks about um, how they lived, they were 10 times healthier and wiser when they ate a plant-based diet. Would anybody here be interested in a study on the book of Daniel? And we would go over some of these things. And he had a tremendous number of people, you know, based on a tremendous number of people. There weren't millions of them because there was like 30 people in the separate club. But you know what I mean. A, present, a tremendous percentage of the people said, yeah, I would like to know about that. So he started a little group Bible study on the book of Daniel. So asking the question, as we learned, I think it was last year was our big initiative, just ask. Just ask. Mm -hmm. Ask them for a Bible study. 
It's not that complicated. Again, it's one of the simplest things, but some of the hardest things to do, because then you're sitting with the next time, should I ask him now? Should I, I don't know if I should ask him now. You're, like, I don't, I don't know. you're all worried about, should you ask him? And you're just like, but you know what? They're not going to be offended. If you ask them for a Bible study and they don't want one, they'll say, oh, no, thank you, or I'm super busy, or whatever. It's fine. So we'll change the subject to something else. <laughs> they know available. Right, they do know that they're available, and they'll call you. If they, something comes up, they'll know who to call. So don't be afraid to talk about Jesus. Don't be afraid to talk about God. If you're a Christian, you're going to do it anyway. It should be. It should just flow out of you. <laughs> um, yeah. No, she just they they expect it. Right, and they and they respect people who have their faith and they believe in their thing. As long as you're not, you know, if you went up to the Buddhist lady and said, you know, you're wrong about this whole Buddhist thing, and you need to come to our, you know. Well, that's not that's not cultivating the soil. <laughs> that's pounding it down, <laughs> making it harder. Um, so no, you but you you the more you invite, the more they see a difference. Like the like Marilyn did when she said, "Oh, it's it's just so different here. You guys are so much nicer. You're so friendlier." I don't want to say nicer. We're, the Catholic people are all very nice people. It just you know from her church, it was not there was never a connection of friendship like there was with us. So, are you going to cover? Get your um, church members on board because that's that's the hardest part that I think. So. You know, um, <laughs> it is the hardest part, and sometimes the only way to get them interested is to be successful. If you have a few people um, that you can work with. Depending on how big your church, Kentwood is small enough that you can get by with two or three people and get some get something done. If you're if you're so small and you really have nobody else to help you, bring people to your home and do a home cooking school. I've done that before. When we were at, when I was at RPH when it was before it was Kentwood, <laughs> we had a small group that came to my house several times and just they wanted to learn to bake bread or something and it was just easier to do in a smaller environment and we rented our church so it was harder to use the church for things so I you know we had 10 ladies come over and we cooked and we, and we you, that's a social environment it's way more social when you invite people to your home actually for a supper club one time I talked about hospitality and um, how important it is to invite people to your home and these connections that you need to make it's a great topic for supper club <laughs> and um, one of the ladies who is a very sweet lady. It wasn't an Adventist lady. She raised her hand, and I said, yes. And she goes, so are you inviting us all to your house? And I said, um, sure. <laughs> so we, I had, we had like 30 or 40 people coming to supper club at that point. So I, we, did a, we did a, it was near the summer. So in July, instead of having regular supper club, we just had a picnic at my house. We put up the Pathfinder tent thingy that they have, and we... I provided veggie hot dogs, a couple of varieties. So when, I, when you do veggie meats, I like to provide a variety for them to taste because not every, I mean, let's face it, mostly only Adventists like Big Franks because they're mushy and they come out of a can and it's not normal. Those of us who are raised on regular hot dogs are like, but if you get an Adventist, like one of those hot dogs that's more meat-like and they're like, it's a reverie. Hot dogs are rubbery. 
So anyway, so I like to give a variety. So I provided hot dogs and all kinds of toppings, and they all brought salads and things. And so we made it a little potluck, and we had a little party at my house. And we, it, it's just all about making it a social, fun event. And then inviting them. So once you make it a social, fun event and you're friends with them, you can't just leave. I mean, if you're just friends, and I mean, that's nice, but you need to start planting the seeds. And we're going to plant our seeds in a variety of different ways. Um, the funny thing is about that picnic is then the church members wanted to come to the picnic because, you know, <laughs> so you're having other people over here having a picnic. And then the neighbors wanted to come to the picnic because, oh, <laughs> so, so then you're, you know, you're, now you've got a whole different thing going on. But anyway, so when you're making the friends, you're planting the seeds, somebody's going to do Bible study. It doesn't have to be you. It doesn't have to be one of your people in the supper club people. It could be the pastor could come in and come do it. You could have one of the church members who are sitting with the people. If you get them trained to say to just ask for a Bible study while they're sitting with them at the table, while they're walking with them in line, then you do the they do the cultivation stage and then prepare them for baptism and you back to the harvest. So, it so would be the first time that it would be the first time someone comes. It depends. So you threw out a test seat. So you're sitting with them at the table and you talk, start talking about your church or your um, something you've been studying in the Bible that was really interesting or whatever, and they seem interested in that. Then you talk to them about Bible stuff and see where they are. You may not ask them for Bible right away, but you might. They might seem like they want a Bible study. Then you say, okay, would you like to? I mean, I like to study the Bible with people. Do you want to study the Bible with me? Now you can start with a testimony and say, oh, you know, if that fits into your conversation, then throw it out there. If, and it may not. The first time you talk to them, you may talk about chainsaws. <laughs> you might talk. We had a guy who came who was really, he like competed with these two-handled kites, you know? And he would fly these kites, and he had this routine, he would do this competition thing. It was really cool, right? So what do you do? You invite him over and have all the kids come and watch him do the kites. And he thought that was great because all everybody was watching him do kites. And all of a sudden, we're besties. <laughs> There's so many ways that you connect with people. That, I mean, I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over again. We could have done this in like five minutes and said, okay, just connect with people and you're good. <laughs> but that's really the key. But getting your people involved, when you start doing a separate club and people start coming, and if you're very consistent and you're people connecting with you or making friends with you, and the food is good, people will tell their friends, and they'll start coming, and it will grow. I mean, obviously, you have a cap on how big you're going to grow based upon the room that you're in and the area that you live in, but you live in Kitwood, so, you know, you got space. Um, and just to throw out for those of you who live in larger towns, there's a thing called meetup. If you use the vegetarian vegan meetup, and make your cook supper club a site for a meetup, then you get more people from that are interested in healthy things coming to that. And I think everybody here is pretty close to something that they could do a meetup. Just go online and it's a, just go online and look for a meetup or create or yeah, meetup is a, a website, and then you can create a vegetarian or vegan meetup, or you can find one that's already there and join their meetup, and then start inviting them to your supper club. And then people will come 
to your supper club because they want to learn about healthy eating or vegetarianism or whatever. Well, there's not a lot of really good advertising. I really wanted to go. There's a, there was a seminar here during camp meeting. If you can get it on audio, it'd probably be good. Um, on Facebook advertising, where you they paper you paper click, and you can do it's a local awareness ad basically where you can put your local event on Facebook and people can join it from there and learn about it from there and then you advertise it and it can go goes beyond because if you just post it on your Facebook page and all your Adventist friends are going to see it and then they're going to post it to their Adventist friends and they're going to post it to their Adventist friends and then like we don't really have friends that aren't Adventist anymore it's a sad world that we live in yes you can do your own supper club Facebook and they start if, if they really like it, they start telling their friends, and they start, and it keeps growing. And when you grow, your church members should be excited about it. <laughs> should be. <laughs> Do you ever get any upfront time with it? One thing I did, um, we in one of our churches. Not all of them do this, and so you kind of have to work with your people. But um, I did my monthly challenge with the church. So once a month, they did like a personal ministry spot every week. And so health ministries got one of those spots. And so when it was our time, we would discuss it. We would briefly tell what our challenge was for the week and a little bit about supper club and whatever. And then we would challenge them to also do it. And if you have handouts for it, which I want to make up my own, you can pass them out and say, okay, I want everybody here to do this. So your church is challenged to do the same thing. And sometimes it gains an interest or when they see people coming from other events, they'll come. But church members are the hardest to win. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Um, okay, we got to be done here in a moment. Um, she likes what we're there doing because we're bringing three to six people to the church yeah. every, every month. But um, and you have to and and if they don't show up. But if you ask, if you find, if you know certain people who would be good at mingling with people, if you go to them and you look them in the eye and say, "Hey, I." Our separate club is growing so much, and I really need somebody to be there to meet the people and talk with them. Can you please come? They're more likely to come than if you stand at the front and you say, okay, you need volunteers to help at separate club? Everybody's going to go, yeah. Somebody else will do that. But if you look them in the eye and you say, I need you, then they're like, okay. <laughs> and they'll come, and they'll be won over by it. Um, but before I let you go, um, I there's something else I wanted to tell you. Oh, I wanted to tell you about Paul. Paul Elder was a member at the Goebbels Church. But he, before he was a member of the Goebbels Church, he, he was telling me this story. He was a member of the Catholic Church, him and his wife. And they'd grown up they, with Catholic. and um, he, They lived near Country Life Natural Foods, who did a cooking school once a month, which is basically like a separate club. And he, they decided they wanted to be vegetarian, and so they, he started going to this cooking school once a month. And then people started visiting him and asking him for Bible study. He's like, eh, no thanks. Ten years goes by. Ten years. He's actually baptized after ten years. So this is what I want you to know about health ministries, real quick before I hand this out. Is, um, when you cook something in a pressure cooker, say you want to cook beans in a pressure cooker, how long is it going to take you? Mm. Yeah, instant pot. Let's just say an instant pot. <laughs> Okay, 35 minutes. Now, if you cooked those in a slow cooker, how long would they take? At least eight hours, right? Um, when you do evangelism, they always tell you that the evangelistic series 
that we do, like an Unlock Revelation or a Jesus on Prophecy, that's like a pressure cooker because these people are coming and having the Holy Spirit work on them every night of the week, and it's and God's able to work with them more quickly, and they're able to be baptized sooner. And that's a great way to win people, and surely it is. But health ministries, it's totally like a slow cooker. But this, when you use a slow cooker, your interests are way better prepared and mentored into the church. Because of this, because they have friends, because they've been going to the school for this event and that event, because they've been, they're part of the church already. They've been going to the church for 10 years. Of course they're ready to be part of the church. So those who have been cooked in the slow cooker, who've been gone, gone through health ministries and then all the other aspects of it, they stay in the church longer. A lot of times when they, unfortunately, if they've just come to evangelistic series and been baptized, a lot of times we lose them. Because they don't, they don't, they, we don't preserve them, but they weren't prepared well. They, they're like the seed that sprung up quickly and then died away because they didn't have their, they weren't cultivated or prepared well. Right, so they miss things and so, well, the pastors usually make up for that. I'm thinking. Okay, so last year I wrote a little booklet on how to have steps to a successful supper club, which has a lot of stuff besides what we just talked about. Um, I rewrote it because they're going to use it part of it for a GC resource, the new, um, there's going to be a new one for preparing the soil, and it's going to be in there. But I brought you my first version. Just be aware, it was only edited once, and I'm one of those people who needs an editor, <laughs> if you hear what I'm saying. So don't like say, oh, Mrs. Howard, 70 Howard, she is, she's like, you know, can't spell anything, whatever. It's, <laughs> the information is good. And it has more information about just how to put together a separate club and all the other things besides some of this other stuff. And I hope this was helpful at all. Was it helpful? Um, you have to share with your grammar. <laughs> anyway, so with that said, is there any other questions or anything that you want to ask before? a sit-down dinner rather than giving just small... Um, no, we do a health talk. So what I tend to do, and you'll see in the back of this, I have actually, um, in appendix number two, I have a list of like a whole month, a whole year's worth of topics and what I, what I use. So I do, and then, so I, like, whatever the topic is, making the switch to a vegetarian diet, and there's menus, then there's a health talk, and there's resources you can use for your health talk. If you don't have doctors and nurses in your congregation, do not ask some non-Adventist to speak. Because if your goal is to make friends with them and win them to Jesus, their goal isn't that. Their goal is to promote whatever it is they're promoting, which is fine. But that's not our goal. So we want our goals all to be the same. And anytime you put somebody up front, they become the expert, and they become the one people connect with. And so all of a sudden, they're all connecting with Bob, who is some Baptist or maybe an atheist, and he just is really good at, you know, dehydrating or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, and there's also a health challenge listed here um, for each of the topics that I have down there. And that was just... That was, those are just ideas, because I know people always ask, I'm out of ideas, what do I do? And so those are ideas. But you 
you just get samples as far as the food is concerned. Oh, no, no, no. It's a real dinner. You dinner. serve a full meal because you don't bond over little medicine cups. You bond over eating a meal together. It's like, like you're inviting company over. Really, you're inviting company over to that. And don't get me started on the whole church basement thing that smells like grandma's basement and you've got boxes standing in the corner. Would you invite people to your house when it looked like that? Of course you wouldn't. You want it to be clean and neat and put a dehydrator or dehumidifier in there to take the musty smell out. It's God's house. You're inviting people in. You want them to think that you take pride in God's house. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the day that you've given us. Thank you for all the blessings that you bestow upon us. Help us to be more effective when we're reaching out to people. Help us to be friendlier and learn uh, to talk to people and get to know them better and to uh, remember to ask them if they know you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.